What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Teen It Up with CNV. I'm your host, Connor, as always, with my co-host, Vladdy. Vladdy, a not-so-special episode. We had the two guests on last time. Um, last week, we took off for the holiday. Um, so we're kind of back to our bones here with uh, a rest in our system, although I feel like I'm like now the resting part after last week. I don't know about you. Yeah, um, last week, last weekend more so was kind of the the big eventful one, you know, in the weekend, the, the, the Monday where I kind of pseudo worked and then into the Tuesday holiday. You um, worked on that Monday? I, I worked. I worked. I'm surprised they didn't give you a holiday. Huh? No, uh, we our holidays are all thrown into off Fridays, like two days from uh, now when I don't I forget, work. I always uh, forget about that. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, I've been well. Um, nothing really out of, or out of the ordinary, like you said, this is kind of a very cut and dry, lots of mini topics, lots of boring right. topics, but we'll, we'll see what we can do with it. Um, how about you? How have you been the last couple of weeks? I know, like you said, we, we skipped a week. How have you been? It's good, man. Enjoyed the holiday. Got up north. It was beautiful weather all week up north. Um, kind of came back and I had the week off, so I relayed that into some more slacking. Um, and now, like, I have to law school stuff starting to pseudo pick up again and on top of work. So just, you know, back to the grind, it feels like this week. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. Like you said, there's a lot of minor topics that we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to talk about mostly Detroit stuff. Uh, keep this one kind of Detroit focused, specifically the Red Wings. A lot's happened there. Um, we're also going to get into the NBA free agency that was maybe a little Pistons and the lack of their free agency. Um, and then I have a couple words about the Tigers draft pick. Um, to wrap it up. Oh, you don't want to know what we should talk about? I'll mention this off the top. Congratulations to Matt Manning and whoever the hell else threw that game on Saturday. Um, uh, the combined no-hitter. Yep. Second combined no-hitter in the history of the franchise. The third while Miguel Cabrera was a Tiger. Previous two were both Justin Verlander. Or sorry, no, that's not correct. Verlander, Scooball, or not Scooball. Spencer Turnbull was the second. Um, and then Saturday night, I know Manning, I think it was only his third third or fourth start back since like coming back from Tommy John, basically. I think don't think he had played at all this year. Um, so he only went into the seventh inning before they pulled him. The baseball savant of me is like, just screw it. Just let him go. Who cares if he's at 90 pitches and like this could ruin his career. The guy's going to be like a third starter in, in a, on a good team, maybe anyways. So why not just have him go out into the history books and let him try and do it? I don't know. I was just disappointed by that dynamic. And the, the combined no hitter just doesn't have, just, just doesn't do it for me the same. So you talk about it possibly ruining his career. Now, do you say that because he's so soon coming back from Tommy John or just because, because, or because the the way baseball's kind of evolved, that combined no hitters are now a thing where teams have used analytics, and it's like, well, you're gonna get yanked after five or six innings, and we've got we've got bullpen arms to, to take care of one inning at a time. So is is it, is it both? Is it a combo one? Um, it, it's both in general. To base like that is the analytics kind of um, theory that you had is definitely true in the general baseball scheme we see today. However, the actual situation here, the specific situation with Matt Manning, I think more so had to do with a it's only his third start back from a long term injury. Um, 
let's get him on it. He's, I mean, he has to be on a super strict pitch count at this point. Um, so I'd imagine that they had that more on their mind than him actually finishing a no hitter, which who knows if that's a good thing when you have this baseball club with a bunch of nobodies where we still have Miguel Cabrera's like hits and home runs at the ballpark, the trackers in left field. It's like the only thing that can attract a Tigers fan at this point, but. I'm sure yeah. there'll, there'll be some attractions on the Miggy farewell tour in the last month of the season where, where they start selling you on, Oh, he's leaving. He's leaving. It's like, well, he left six years ago, more or less. Yeah. It's just, we've also, we've also had that, those trackers for whatever. And they don't move because he doesn't play ever. He plays like one out of three games as a designated hitter. And so they just sit at five Oh one. Cause he can't like get the ball out of the infield anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, believe it or not, he's not the worst hitter on this team. He's batting 240 when he does play. That's not that bad in today's baseball. Is um, Baez worse? Baez is worse. Baez is like 220-something. Torkelson's 220-something. And that's that's after Torkelson's been hot again. So Riley Green came back from an injury and has been great. He's batting up 300. I know he's missed like half the season, but that's cool to see. Um, well, I'll just get into it now since he was a yeah, high school, I was, I was high school outfielder thing. that did pan out. I think Riley Green went fifth. Um, the Tigers draft pick, they pick third, they go high school outfielder again. Um, I shouldn't say again, because it seems like they just take pitcher every year. So it was nice to see them not do that. Uh, to me, the MLB draft is stupid because teams draft, like there was rumors all week that Skeens and Skeens who ended up going number one, the pitcher, and then Dylan Cruz, who ended up going two, the both LSU kids we're not going to go first because they both wanted too much of a signing bonus. So your signing bonus isn't dictated. It's dictated. There's more, I guess there's less formality as there is in other sports where you kind of get whatever the position you play and the pick you are determines that's your scale. That's not baseball is very individualistic and players demand can either say yes or no. And so that their teams slot up or slot down with certain picks based on the actual value they see in like the signing bonus and mm-hmm. how cheap the owner is to a sense. I, I don't, it's not exactly that much of a science, how, how cheap the owner is. It's not actually in the grand scheme of things, play that much of a role in slotting up or down in your pick, but that's the rumor. That's the thing in baseball. So you kind of have these three kind of consensus, three, top three prospects with Skeens, Cruz, and then Wyatt Langford from Florida uh, an outfielder who also hit like 380 with a god amount of home runs, just quads are the size of your head. Um, I think this was the Tigers not wanting to slot up, and it's also Scott Harris saying, we don't want to be good ever. I'm starting this thing from the top. Um, we're nowhere near me making any kind of transactions or this team being even relevant. You're probably looking at another three to four years of a rebuild with my regime before we get relevant. He's basically the pick to me taking a high, another high school kid. And don't get me wrong, this Max Clark kid, you believe he's the first or second pro- high school prospect. He's been kind of hyped up and deemed this golden child for a while. He runs fast. He's got a really good arm from the outfield. I don't love the bat. He plays Indiana high school baseball. He sees 78 to 81 miles an hour, and now he's just going to go play in the big leagues. I I think that's definitely a factor with high school kids, especially high school bats. Um, high school arms, not as much because you throw 95, you throw 95. We could teach you to develop some off speed. But with a high school hitter who has seen 85 maybe 10 times in a seat in his 
four years of high school, it is a huge adjustment. And sometimes it's too much of an adjustment too quickly that a lot of those guys do burn out quickly or never actually make it there. I think more so than a college guy who's played in the SEC like Wyatt Langford had, who had been a consensus All-American the last two years at one of the best schools in the country, uh, who was also a, a, a highly regarded prospect at high school. I just don't think that it ever makes sense to me personally. Now, with that said, you I just complimented Riley Green. We did that a couple years ago. On the other side, Spencer Torkelson was a great college player, and we've kind of seen how that started for his career. So it's not a tried and true science. And for the life of me, I do hope he works out. He's a bit of a cocky social media guy, um, so he's somewhat hard to root for, I think. Uh, maybe that's kind of where I slant in my bias towards not really liking him as a player. Because I just watched the YouTube videos of him hitting home runs off of like JV pitchers. And I'm like, dude, I could do that. So if you let's say you put the situations aside, that you, you, I think you make a good point. The preparation levels are different. The ages are different. The readiness levels are different. And maybe that cha- that says more about where like the Tigers are. But if you took just the player and like kind of what they've shown – would you think this is maybe an, an upside versus floor pick or do you just really not like this at all? And you think Langford is a better floor, better ceiling, better player and should have been the easy choice. Uh, I think Max Clark does have some pretty special intangibles. Um, I would say the ceiling with or the floor, sorry, with Wyatt Langford is so much more higher or maybe a slightly higher ceiling for Max Clark. I think Wyatt Langford is a major league player in two years from now. He's not going to require much. He's hit at the best conference in baseball. That's not professional in the sec. Uh, I just love taking sec guys that have proven it for three years at the college, the top of the top college level, like sec baseball on a Friday night facing Paul Skeens. That's probably better than some, rookie ball league where you get 19 year old high school guys that got drafted in the 25th round that weren't smart enough to go to college like that's it's probably better baseball so i love a kid that's developed into a real college system i think i don't know i just really hate taking high school kids with that said moral of the story way lower floor or slightly better ceiling that's what i see also why do they do the draft in the middle of the season what's that that's the stupidest thing ever i think too <laughs> it makes no sense to me. Like, how how do they determine order? Like, do they go off the of last season standings? So they don't, and I'm not really sure what they do because it's not like a it's not I don't it's not really a true lottery either. I'm not actually a hundred percent sure what the actual price. It's the weirdest thing because the Tigers did not finish third to last last year, but they were the third pick. Yeah, just just curious. I mean, I've, I've, those are questions I've never really asked and I've never had answered, but that really makes no sense to me. Yeah. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. And I paid attention to the sport. So Tigers, interesting first pick for the Scott Harris regime. He clearly is saying this is going to take a while. Don't go anywhere. Um, moving on to more to Detroit's t- well, today, junior sports topics. The Red Wings made a lot of splashes, some good, some not so good. Um, free agency. I'll be honest, I didn't understand what Steve Eisenman was doing. Um, some bad contracts, a couple of good players. He just basically signed to me a lot of second and third line talents that just are going to kind of sit there for a year or two. Uh, and a lot of them, I'll go through them quickly. The contracts are one and two year deals to where you have this pr- 
prospect pool that is so heralded to where are those guys going to play when they're ready to go? You're not going to stick them in a fourth line role. They're not going to play on the first line right away with Dylan Larkin and now Alex Jabrinka. Uh But that second and third line is just filled with these kind of placeholders. And it's like, are, are so we're just going to do the same thing we did last year and just have these placeholders be slightly above shit and just be okay with that? Like, I don't know. It didn't make sense. I'll read them off. Dan- Daniel Sprong, one year, $2 million. Guy comes off a career 46-point year. These one-year deals are kind of the story. One- and two-year deals are the story of NHL free agency because the cap goes up. It's a hard, hard cap in hockey, and it's going up next year. Uh, I believe 2 or $3 million, which is a lot when the cap's only $86 million. Yep. So a lot of these guys are taking short, smaller deals as in, and basically prove it deals in their own minds to I'll sign a bigger contract that's going to be worth more when the cap's up and teams have more to spend. Um, so I think Sprong, something like that, you have a career year in Seattle like that, you say, I, I can get 46 points again, I'm only 26, um, and then I can get maybe a, a four, four-year, four $4 million contract um, next offseason. Same with Christian Fisher. I didn't really, I mean, good fourth-line role player, one-year deal, weird signing again, kind of just doesn't match, like, what are we doing here? I guess you need those kind of guys a little bit. Um, JT Comfer was one of the ones I really didn't like. Probably the best player we signed from Colorado. That was five years, 5.1 million. That makes him the fourth highest paid defenseman on the team. Um, he's kind of an Andrew Cop, an undersized two way center uh, who just cracked 50 points for the first time. Um, yeah, he won a cup two years ago in Colorado. I think it's a deal that doesn't see its full term. $5 million is a lot. I just, it's another Andrew Cobb. You basically just signed another second line center to just be average and not score. It's a lot of money for a guy that's you're basically going to have te- like an eighth of the salary cap tied up between two guys that are going to combine for maybe 20 goals, which is ridiculous in the grand scheme of things. So I hate that sign. The other one I really didn't like is uh, Justin Hall, three years at three and a half million. He got absolutely torched by the Toronto media. He was kind of one of their picking boys as they like to do it's the it's the new york uh media in toronto for hockey and they apps so i think my bias is slightly in that toronto media just absolutely tore this guy a new one um again three and a half to, or 3.8 whatever it is is a lot to pay to a guy who's probably going to be your fourth to sixth d-man um and i just don't really like and that'll get into gotha's bear too one-year deal 4.12 million he becomes your second highest paid D-man. Two guys that are just kind of tweener skill set guys, second to fourth defensemen. And it's it, it two signings that I also go like, so where's Simon Edmonton going to play? Where are your top defensive prospects going to play? You signed 6D now um, to this roster when you Simon Edmonton was supposed to kind of take that step and be an NHL-ready defenseman this year. I don't know if that happens with these two signings. I think Gothis Bear specifically is just trade deadline bait. He's a decent like offensive defenseman that a lot of teams could use come playoff time. That's kind of what he's has been done to him the last couple years. Um that's it as far as free agency. I they signed uh Clem Costin that in the trade from the draft. I like him. I think he's a good player. And then I'll I'll, I'll kind of let the stage be set for both of us here was the big hockey news. This is big, big hockey news, buddy. This is the trade of the summer. This is this is what, like, 
LeBron the decision? No, it's not. Uh, this is this. You're saying this is our LeBron. This is not a uh, hockey's LeBron. This is Detroit's LeBron. This is a LeBron player coming to Detroit for Detroit. He's taking um, his talents home. The Farmington native. To farming the Farmington native. Victory Honda alum. Uh was Alex Debrinket. Steve Eiserman made the move for him. Uh he gives up a conditional first, which the first, I don't know if you saw the condition on it. I it's did. Super, super weird. Like, so basically it's like. Boston is going to get to pick if they want R24 or 25. And then we're going to pick if we want to give Ottawa that 24 or 25 based off what Boston decides. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Just so I'd never seen a, like a three team condition. Like they're like, we're, they're going to make a pick. Then we're going to pick which one we want. And then you'll get that one. I think it's just kind of like NBA pick swaps where Boston has the, uh, let's say Boston has the right to swap picks. If they choose to do so, then we can, I think then we can choose to swap or we get to choose which pick to send to Ottawa. And in essence, I think it's just pick swaps. It's kind right. of what it boils down to. Yeah. And I see that, that that that'll probably be anywhere from the 10 to 17 range, if I had to guess pick, um, which is interesting. I'll, I'll say the rest of it first. Uh, so they also gave up a fourth uh, prospect I'd never heard of in Dominic Kubelik, uh, who, in my opinion, you basically signed Sprong to play his role. Decent. Kubelik was a good player last year. Not much of a loss as far as like building a team around. Um, the rumor was at the draft, Ottawa wanted that ninth overall pick, and Steve Eisman basically laughed in their face. Um, I don't know. I think this is kind of like slightly better. Like I said, I think this pick is going to be like probably in the low to mid teens. Um, and then you don't really lose much else besides this. Debrinket comes in, obviously the hometown native. He wanted to come to Detroit. It gives you the goal scoring touch you needed. I think I said it on the joint show that it's like, I don't necessarily love Debrinket. I do think he's been kind of boasted his whole career. He put up huge number numbers in juniors because he played on the line with Connor McDavid. Uh he That's played with Patrick. With he, yep. He played with Patrick Kane for two years and the years he scored 37 and 40 goals. He goes to kind of a second line role on a on a mid Ottawa team, and he only scores twenty seven. So that and the projection of kind of who he's played with and the performance level based off of that worries me a little. Um, but it's a guy who has proven that he's going to put the puck in the net thirty times a year, and you need that. You don't have that. I emphasize that. Well, so it's like I don't love the player, but I love the statement of you saying, "Hey, we're only going to like this is a guy that can score right now." And he's going to be part of our future. Granted, it was kind of a bridge deal. It's only a four by $7.8 million deal. Makes him the second highest paid player on the team to the captain. Uh, as far as that goes, the deal, I think it's super fair. I think that's what he exactly would have gotten in, for, in any kind of bidding next year with Ottawa for an RFA deal. So I think that number's right on track. I don't think it was like a bargain per se, but I also think it's – we're getting ripped off by having to pay him almost eight mil. Now you say the number was good. Do you think that the length of it was good, or do you? Think- I love that part of it because he is. There is a part of me that's like he's undersized. He's like my size. He's five eight, five nine, five ten, somewhere in that ballpark. So even though he's a scorer that avoids that type of stuff, you worry about longevity with a guy like that. I know he's only a year older than us. He's only twenty five. So I think it perfectly plays out into his theoretical prime of 25 to 29. Mm-hmm. And then you and then, discard him like a running back? Yeah. 
And I do think the it does prove that this team probably years three and four specifically are going to be, he's going to be contributing to a playoff team in the probably years three and four of that contract. Mm-hmm. So that's, I do like the turn. I like, like I said, the contract's great. You, the premise is great. The move was great. It didn't make sense to me after you had a free agency where you kind of basically just told me, I want one more year to just have kind of just mid players. Uh, yeah, we'll be competitive again, but, we're not going to win anything special with who I'm signing in free agency. And then you go out and get a, an expensive piece in a trade like this. But he, it was a rare situation where a star wants to come to Detroit and he's from <laughs> Detroit. So you, as if you're Iserman, you do have to take advantage of that because Austin Matthews is, is a UFA next year. He's not coming to Detroit. You can offer him 16 million or whatever they're saying he's going to get. Uh, and he's, he's not going to come to Detroit. I mean, uh, I I mean we we've seen that we've lived it. Um, not the destination city, not the not the the no state income taxes that Texas and Florida right. get to boast. There's no there's no year round sun that California can boast. There's no glamour. It's, yeah. You're right. It, it's one of those where you you get the opportunity to bring in a guy of that pedigree and you, you do it. Um, but I will yeah. say, as far as not being a desired market, if there's any Detroit team that is kind of yep. somewhat of an outlier to that, it is the Red Wings with the, the history, hockey town. the hockey town, it being a hockey city. We've seen that that's not really true since they've been shit for the last seven years. But <laughs> if you had to give a projection, so I mean, you say he's put up stats next to all time great players. Now, Larkin's a good to great player, but he's not all time. Yeah good to great so i guess if you had to give a projection what do you think it is what do i think i think they'll he'll go for 31 goals and 68 points which we'll complain about a little bit but i think it'll be that that's where he'll be 31 goals 68 points so that would be i think four more goals and two more points than last year i don't see you like as good as larkin is that raymond larkin to Brinkett line, I don't see it being you know, like a oh my god game changing like this is going to get to Brinkett sixty goals next year kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like I I think he's going to score because he's a scorer, but it's not going to be off the charts lighting that you're expecting. And then I guess the other aspect of it is because like when you bring in a player like that, it is kind of a you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Like how much do you think that kind of opens up Larkin and Raymond to be able to maybe be a little bit more productive themselves? Because now the guy they're the third guy on their line is not some dickhead. It's actually right. a, a respected player that teams have to account for. Yeah. I think, I think Larkin wise, I think there's, there is a decent amount of pressure on both of them for Larkin. You just signed the big deal and you've played, he's progressively gotten better. And last year was a career year for him to where like, well, there's no reason you shouldn't get 60 assists this year mm-hmm. like with the bracket on your line. But I think there's even more pressure on Lucas Raymond who kind of had a down 45, I think he's hurt a little bit, but who kind of had a down year after having a, a, a fairly good rookie year where he would, I believe he was third in rookie voting behind one of them was his own teammate. Um, I think there's more pressure on him going into year three after a down sophomore slump year. You're right. You're now playing with two perennial all-stars on your line to where we want to see why we drafted you fourth overall. We want to see 25 goals and 60 points this year. Like, we don't want to see another year where you have 10 goals and have 41 points. Like, that's not what you're on the first line to do. You were drafted to be a star in this league. 
year three, it's time to prove it. Yep. Um, should we talk NHL draft? I think that also kind of went by, uh, I think, the Thursday before the weekend. So. Yeah, I, I have a couple of notes on that. I don't know if you had any. No, uh, I'm not considered pretend like I do. No, I, I've the draft. I I like both the Red Wings picks. I think the Danielson kid at at nine was a little safe. Um, taking just another kind of two way center like you did last year with Casper. Um, but I think it's a guy with an incredibly high floor. I don't necessarily think he's going to ever project to be a top line player. I think he'll be a middle six center, which is great especially at nine it wasn't like you were picking third uh and then I really liked the defenseman they took at 17 and looking back on it now I'm really glad they didn't trade the pick I know I I, at first I was like wow Eisman just playing it safe Eisman just wants to win it 17 years from now because he's got that kind of term here um but after the debrinket move it looks smart it looks great um as far as the rest of the league I don't know no surprises for me Connor Bedard goes one Somewhat of a surprise is the Fantilli kid from Michigan did not go second. He went third, and he immediately signed right after with Columbus. Um, the Ducks took a Swedish Leo Carlson who was supposed to go third. I don't know. So how big of a uh, surprise or shock that is on draft day that second and third projected just swapped. Yeah. Um, the Michkov kid, the Russian kid, I know we talked about that on the last mm-hmm. podcast. He ended up falling to seven. So – um, not crazy far, kind of in the range of where they projected him to the Flyers. Um, other than that, I don't really have any – there weren't really any crazy big surprise picks. Will Smith kind of fell a little bit. Uh, Will Smith, the actor? Will Smith, the actor, was in the NHL draft. Um, <laughs> actually, all the NTVP guys kind of fell just a little bit from where they were expected. I think that's some somewhat of news. But other than that, pretty standard draft. It was a boring draft. I don't know. They've just shoved Connor Bedard down our throats for the last, like, six months that I'm already sick of him. Um, all this media, he's not – He's. I'm afraid – he showed a little more personality, and it's, like, it's hard for me when they stick you on, like, a panel during the Stanley Cup and you haven't even played an NHL game yet. Like, how are you going to act? I would act a little awkward, too. Um, so he has shown some more personality, but – Dude, he's a he's a freaking robot too, just like McDavid. Like hockey needs some more personality. You can't. Its best player is a literal robot. And now we're looking at our next generational talent to be a robot 2.0, AI 2.0. No, we need more. Like we need more Matthew Kachucks and Austin Matthews. You need a you need a Brooks Kepkin, a Bryson DeChambeau. We do. And I hate to say it, but maybe it's an American Canadian thing. The two big names, personalities I named, both Americans. The two robots that I just named, both Canadian. I mean, they're the Canadians. They're not there for images. or They're there to play some hockey and go back to riding their bears to CVS for bagged milk. You know, Canadian <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, I guess Canadians do that. All, all the time. Uh, let's move on to a sport with not a lot of Canadians in it, the NBA. It's free agency happened. We were talking beforehand in kind of our pre-show prep. Relatively quiet, I thought. The NHL, I'll say NHL free agency, was boring as hell as well. Not a lot of big names for free agents this year. Next year is kind of the big year. And it kind of seemed that way for the NBA as well. 
I mean, uh, I know you had a couple guys written down. You want to start with those, and then maybe we can kind of get into maybe a little, something a little bit more yeah. similar to the Pistons as we as we move kind of from yeah, the big kinda, names to the smaller names. Right. I just kind of wrote down the ones I thought were interesting. Kyrie resigning with Dallas is interesting, so they won't be a playoff team for the next three years. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> no. I mean, that's that's incredibly interesting. How Dallas was fourth in the West when they traded for him. And I, I, I know I, I, I'll say I was wrong. I thought it could work. I thought it maybe it, it's kind of like what I just said with the like Debrinkit and the Larkin, where instead of forcing Luka Doncic to play ISO ball for forty minutes a night, maybe Kyrie can take some of that burden off him, and maybe he's a little fresher and he's less Luka Doncic, more Luka Doncic. But right. no, they went from fourth overall in the West when the trade was made to actively tanking the last two games <laughs> of the season so they can keep their first round pick this year. <laughs> And it was it, it's funny. I don't I don't understand it. Um, but good. I mean, I guess good for Kyrie. Got himself one hundred and twenty six million dollars while being an absolute lunatic. Yeah, the richest lunatic in the world. Oh no, there's definitely some richer ones. Oh, there's a hundred percent more. <laughs> that was a hot, <laughs> scolding hot take. That's like yeah. when you burn your mouth on a hot and ready take. Uh, Fred Van Fleet was the other one I had three years, 130 million. I've got undersized guy from Wichita state getting the big bucks for the next three years. Um, he's basically going to play like, like the mentorship role, their brother in Houston. Yeah. Yeah. So especially when they sign a guy who wrote down lower down the list guy, people thought might not be in the NBA got four years, 80 million and Dylan Brooks is going to Houston as well. Yeah, um, that was kind of surprising. Um, maybe it's a lot of money. You know, it's see, I was gonna say maybe it's not necessarily surprising the fact that he got signed because like it is the NBA. There's Dylan Brooks is a he is a viable NBA player with what he can bring. It's just his mouth started writing checks that his play couldn't cash at the end of last season when you when you decide to poke LeBron James, which is not a good idea. But yeah, I, I think. This is just kind of like that. That's like that's like a stereotypical NBA contract where they have so much money to throw around. It's like eighty million dollars yeah. for Dylan Brooks sounds so stupid after the, like the last two months of his season, but I, I don't think it's suddenly like some invalid contract. I don't think it's something atrocious. Not as there's one name you mentioned that I kind of that I know I, I balked at when I saw it, but yeah, I'll get into that one. Sabonis getting five years, two hundred and seventeen, bro. I, I... I, granted, I'm an NBA casual. I've hardly heard of this guy. So he was kind of a later bloomer. Um, and then with the Kings this year, he was kind of their their big man down low to go along with like the deer and fox. Like I don't want to call it thunder and lightning, but he was kind of, he was just kind of their big man presence and. He plays kind of like a Walmart Nikola Jokic, like minus the passing, where it's okay. a lot of bully ball, trying to push his way down low, and he's just not as skilled as those guys. But seeing he's picking up 45, 40, not 45, 43. Like 43 million a year, yeah. Seeing DeMontis bonus get that much, like, I remember reading that, and I was like, what did they say to me? Like, that is an outrageous <laughs> sum of money. That is a lump of money to go to a guy that's just going to, well, it's a stereotypical, like, usually, like, bullies don't win out, but I guess bully basketball gets you $43 million a year. When there's no other centers left in the league to guard yeah. the basketball, that's what happens. You look pretty good. Well, maybe do you think 
do you think we go in the opposite trend now if all these big guys start getting paid that like we get more good big guys? No. I, I, the, or is it solely the lack of demand? Yeah, it's it's the lack of bigs. Like, I mean, like you're gonna have you're gonna have your Embiid's, your Jokic's, those types of guys, like the tr- the quote unquote semi traditional center. Like they'll they'll be getting their money. There's gonna be a few of them. It's just it's not gonna be like it used to be. Like, right? I feel like big guys have been more so relinquished to like rim protectors and rim runners. You know, you look at a Robert Williams. Maybe yep. you look at a Jalen Duran. Like what you hope the he can become here in Detroit. That's just kind of what they are. You need every team needs one, and we'll see what happens. But speaking of big guys, did you see Dwight Howard say that he in his prime was better than Nikola Jokic? Yeah, that's Oof. so. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like I remember a lot of like the 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 Orlando Magic Dwight Howard. It's like I remember watching him, but I was a nine year old kid. I wasn't sitting yeah. there like with an analytical mind trying to break down what his play was like in a different era of basketball. But yeah, it is an incredibly hot take for Nikola Jokic is an unofficial three time in a row MVP winner, NBA champion. I mean, he's starting to push his way into top into the top thirty of all time. Right. Right. And I, I do, granted, the clip I saw on Instagram had like some prime Dwight Howard clips and they were pretty sick. I'm not going to lie. Way to go, Dwight. And I only remember you with the crazy hairdo now that he rocks now and he's so washed and st- continues to play. Or he's in China now. Yeah. No, he's in Taiwan. Taiwan soon to be sorry. China. He's in soon to be China. Soon to be China. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's been soon to be for multiple years now. Uh, well, that's because they haven't. Uh, they, they, I think they're um, no, no geopolitical savant, but I'm pretty sure their deal is 40, 50 years from now. It's like it's supposed to run out, and that's when uh, they absorb them or some stupid stuff like that. But not the point of the topic. We maybe we can no. start a geopolitical podcast if we're really into it. But we, not, not we could if you want. But I was going to talk about kind of lead into the Pistons on free agency. Yes. Uh, Cam Johnson, a guy that was rumored to be uh, the Pistons' kind of big signing. Uh, again, it's kind of like a Debrinket is like just like a semi star that like in Detroit's mind is a star. Uh, he ends up re-signing with Brooklyn four years, hundred eight million. Disappointed? Yeah. So he's I don't think he's on the same like kind of stature as Debrinket. Like Cam Johnson would be is like a great three and D player. He's a great like I don't even like let's put him like one or two steps below like an Andrew Wiggins level of star where it's like okay. He's not. You're, it's not some seventh man off the rotation role guy, but he's probably not going to be a top three player on a contending team. So, like, if you find that fine middle ground, um, but yeah. So disappointed. I'm not really sure. Um, I know we talked pre-show about this, but there was there's a lot of rumors, and that's all we can really go off of in in this in this kind of world because we're not in the room with all the GMs. We're not in the room with the coaches. We don't actually know who they're targeting, but. Um, I think he would have been a great fit for the Pistons. Someone to k- kind of stretch the floor, open it up for for Cade, for Jaden Ivey, because that's something that the Pistons just don't have. And right. it, I guess it got kind of worse as they made their trade for Joe uh, Joe Harris, where I said Joe Ingles. That would have been that would have been a name, but <laughs> they made their trade for Joe Harris, where the Brooklyn Nets kind of did what we've seen so far, where it's a team just kind of dumping a contract onto a different team throwing some picks along with it and kind of getting under that, like, or helping them get under like that second, uh, the second apron for the, for the luxury tax. And 
that trade really made no sense to me because it's like the Nets are dumping a contract off on you that they don't want so that they can go re-sign what is supposed to be your top target. Why you would agree to do that for two second round picks. So like, listen, if you can, if you can take them for a first and a second or just a first, you know, so be it. Like at least they paid you to do it. Two second round picks to help the team that you are trying to steal from keep the thing you are trying to steal makes no sense to me. I, I, I don't understand it again. It's what? a similar Scott Harris. It's similar to Scott Harris. It just means that you he, Weaver feels that we're nowhere close if you're making moves like that. Yeah, I don't. Miss, I don't yeah, I mean that's absolutely true. This the worst. There was the worst human basketball. Basketball is a sport where, kind of sure. like the other ones, you're not going to walk into the league and be Nick Bosa dropping 12 sacks a season. It's going to take you some time. You don't get to. It doesn't work that that quickly. So. Yes, maybe this is Weaver operating, thinking that his seat is still cold, which it's it, it is time to start heating it up. But the player itself in Joe Harris, though, isn't even the worst thing ever. He is kind of like Cam Johnson. He is a scarily good three-point shooter. He sh- theoretically should be able to open the floor for you. It's just taking him, taking on that contract when you could have pushed Brooklyn and maybe made an offer, even if they match it. Even if Brooklyn matches that offer that um that you would have given Cam Johnson, then go get then go take Joe Harris's contract off of him. Then go get your second round picks. But don't do it the other way around where then uh, Brooklyn was allowed to kind of sign Cam Johnson for about twenty million dollars less than the rumors were going to be if another team mm-hmm. had made a pitch for him. So I didn't like that. Um what about the lack of splash, the doing nothing in free agency? I mean, I get it. It's just that I, I, there's only some like, – who are you going to go get, Kyrie Irving? We did just say that it wasn't – I wasn't impressed with any of the names. And the top of my list were none of those, those names you were going to get, right? Yeah, I mean, it's – I mean, James Harden is still sitting there as like a pseudo sign-in trade. Is he signed? Is he not signed with Philadelphia? I mean, Fred Van Fleet. Maybe could have been as a cool older brother, like you said, for Houston, kind of to, to get that the good like leadership presence. But I just don't think there was really a, a I don't think there was a free agent this year that you could go at that would fit your timeline. I mean, I'm sure there's a little there's an older guy that was it, I'm not gonna say ring chasing, but is a lot more suited to fit a Los Angeles Lakers per se, like a Gabe Vincent or a re-signing Rui Hachimura, and so. I, I I agree with you. This is kind of one of those where the Pistons seem like they're in treading water mode. And as one of the guys who's kind of been the biggest defenders over the last 12 months, it's, it is time to start saying like, Hey, like you are looking at, if there is no tangible, I'm not even going to say like improvement. If there's no change in what you're doing, it's just, what are you doing? Because you, you've spent four years on the, you'll have spent four years on the job after next season. I know, I mean, the hockey guys love to give Steve Eiserman this, so you have to give Troy Weaver this as well. You know, he inherited one of the one of the stupidest teams in basketball with yep. Steve Mikhailuk, Thon Maker, and Sekou Dumboya. So I was told that the first two years don't count. So technically speaking, <laughs> Troy Weaver is entering year two of a rebuild right now, according to to the Eiserman defenders. Um, but it, it, it is getting frustrating. Um, 
you you lost out on a year of development for Cade. Um, yeah, that's huge. You've got that's huge when you see like Anthony Edwards and Lamelo just get massive contracts, yep. and they're they're only two years older than yeah. Cade. Yeah, and it's it's getting to a point where I also don't understand some of the affinity that maybe Troy Weaver has with size, especially. Useless size. Yeah, that, that's probably that's probably that's. I mean, I think James Wiseman is the greatest YMCA basketball player of all time. I mean, he puts up he puts up stats, and you'd be like, "Wow, that's a great player." And then you look at the plus minus, and he's minus twenty every single night, and he just doesn't play winning basketball because he can't defend. Yeah. Um. I mean, Marvin Bagley, whatever's left there. I mean, you resign Isaiah Stewart, which. I don't hate the re-signing of him four years, $64 million. I mean, in a league where DeMontis Sabonis is getting 45 and Dylan Brooks is getting 20, I mean, giving getting 16 for Isaiah Stewart, it's like, it is what it is. It's not good. You need some bad. NBA players, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's a salary cap. You got to, you got to use it on somebody, but yeah. it, it's, it's tough. They're, they're in such a wait and see perspective. I mean, We'll see what happens. So young. Yeah. It's we'll we'll see oh. if Troy Weaver is around to see out what his uh right. treading water project was like. So now that they're this is a much easier question than it was 12 months ago. But uh when I asked who was the closest to the playoffs last year, aside from the Lions, because everyone has this god expectation for them this year, which I think is slightly unreasonable. Uh Who's the next to the playoffs of the other? The Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. I don't think it's even a question at this point. Hey, listen, if the Tigers didn't falter for a couple weeks, we could have said them. They're about to make it this year. Playing the worst I think they're only six back, half a little over halfway through the season. I think I think they kind of fell a little far. I'm going to check it real quick. I thought they fell a little farther than six, but if they're only six back, you know, they're getting they're getting some key players back from injury. We could be seeing an, a little a little late August push. Matt Manning's back, Scooball's back, pitching. We are rates. only five and a half back. Yeah. It's God, so here's I, I listened to a Valenti rant on this, and it, he's like, I just want to see him put like you're only five and a half back of going to the playoffs. I just want to see you chog out somebody that's either been really good in the minors and that's gonna give you a push offensively, or like Go sign like just like a competent like six hitter in the MLB. Don't trot me out like Zach McKinstry and all these crappy guys you signed in the offseason that are probably triple A players. Uh, sorry, Zach McKinstry, you're just the one that came to my head. Uh <laughs> he's actually been fine this year. It hasn't been it hasn't been him. Like Randy Ibanez. Like what who who is that? 29-year-old rookie? Uh Who's the other guy that they uh, – Nick Matone that's bat, was batting like 120 before they sent him down. Why don't we get some real MLB players in here? Just make one move to get an MLB. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with that. Like, like you say, it's not it's not, it's not, not saying, oh, you know what, go push some of the chips into the middle of the table before you're ready because you're not ready. You're 39. No, that's not what you're doing. Yeah, but get something where, you know what, on the off chance that this division continues to be on pace, be the worst division ever, where you might have a sub five hundred winner, why why not why not why not have you be a sub five hundred winner? Why don't right. you be the Washington Redskins of two thousand and twenty NFC East? Go have yeah. a game. You make a great point. It's like you're not sacrificing your future by spending 
$12 million on two just like very average MLB players to make the team competent. Like you're not risking your future for that. Do you think Chris uh, it, would have to... I'm not asking you to get in the Otani sweepstakes this summer? Like, do you think Chris would have to raise the price of the pizza though if he had to go spend 12 million dollars? Yeah, you it would probably make a hot and ready turn into a 20 dollar and ready. It'd be a six. It'd be a six dollar hot and ready, not not yeah. five fifty anymore. And... Just to pay for some freaking Whit Merrifield wash mofo from Kansas come in and play <laughs> sixty games for you. <laughs> oh dear lord. You know, I I agree. I, I agree completely. Where it's you're not even necessarily so close, but you're at a point where you are pushing only a couple games out. When's the trade deadline? Is it like uh, August first? Okay, first yeah. day of August. So, I mean, maybe this is a wait and see thing. Maybe if the Tigers can win a couple games and close it to four or three, right. whatever it might be, maybe then they make a move. Maybe it's a little. Maybe it's like like we said. Maybe it's one month too early. Where maybe Scott Harris and I mean, Chris definitely isn't watching because he doesn't care about sports. He cares about TV <laughs> checks. But um, maybe they're just waiting to see, you know, can we put ourselves within striking distance? Maybe they just think at this point in time, five and a half is maybe not too far, but too too questionable still with the amount right. of games left. But if you can see, if you can bring it down a little bit more with a little less games, and you have a clearer picture of what the rest of your season looks like in terms of schedule. Maybe then you make the move. So yeah, I agree with you in the sense that you should you should try you should try something because what do you have to lose? Yeah, I do see the other side of like, well, this team is like twelve games below five hundred. Yeah, like why why would we waste money on this? But like, I think Better this is money. an extraneous situation. This is an outlying situation. Yeah. No, I'm not, and it's like it's not, you're not even have to give the oh it's the playoffs anything can happen spiel because like when you're that bad it's not the playoffs like you're gonna get worked by whoever you come up against. But at least right, you right. at least you'll have made the playoffs. Yeah, something. At least, you'll, at least you'll at least you'll get some experience. I mean, I think I don't know if I mentioned this a couple weeks ago or maybe after the NBA playoffs ended. But Nikola Jokic had a great quote where it's like, "In order to be good, first you have to be bad, and then you got to get good, and then when you get good, you have to fail, and then when you fail, you'll figure it out." And right. that's kind of one of those where it's like we we mention all the time. No team walks into the postseason for the first time in their life and gets it done because you right. don't know how to handle it. You don't know the pressure. You don't know the different levels of stakes, the different levels of pre- uh, uh, eyeballs on the games. It's different. Why not go get an idea of what that's like? Why not go show Riley Green your 15 million pitchers, whatever other baseball players you think in this team are here to stay for the future? Why not? Why not show them, you know what, this is what playoff baseball is? And then – the year after that, when the division—I mean—is the division going to be this bad again next year? I—I I don't know. I think like, well, the White Sox are a hot mess because they were supposed to be a playoff team this year, and they're worse than us. Um, the Twins were also supposed—it was supposed to be a bad division, but not this bad, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean maybe the maybe it opens up like, like you say, you've got some guys down in AAA who bring them up. Why not? Don't don't just have them be that September push where it's like, hey buddy, like go go trot out there for 15 at bats so you can get a taste of it. Like, maybe right. go ask them to contribute to not a winning baseball team, but a team that makes the playoffs. Yeah, why not give a guy that's hitting a Triple A batting 280 with this 800 OPS? Why not let him play third base? Nick Matone's already made 16 errors and hit 120 in the 75 games. <laughs> yeah, but. 
want to hear a random thing that just popped into my head? We've been talking about start money a lot on this podcast. Uh, how much money is Shohei Otani going to make? That's going to be the biggest contract in the history of sports. He's going to make six hundred. He's going to make like six hundred million dollars. You think there's six hundred million coming his way? I do. Over how many years? 10, 12? Damn. Who I, I think I saw him? Mike Trout. Mike Trout said he's going to get at least half half a billion. Who? Let me okay. Let me let me change my question. Which teams can pay that? The Mets, the Dodgers, and the Yankees. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm sure the Cubs would would be fine with that. Uh, the Angels are going to have to are going to try and do what their best to fork up the cash for that contract. I'm I'm going to Google what the contract predictions are. I just I just love to see a big number. This one says 450 over 10. Oh, this is not 450 over 13. That's 37 million. That's how much Scherzer makes. Yeah, that's not. He's gonna he's gonna make 60 million dollars. I don't think anyone makes above like 40 in baseball. He's gonna make 60. I guess. I mean, this one says 11 years, 605 million. That's a little accurate. A little 55, 50, something like that. But. No, that'll be fun. That's so much money. <laughs> Listen, when you can play two or when you can play both aspects of baseball at an elite level, you're going to be worth they're going to be worth double what or one and a half times whatever they pay everybody else cuz you're doing one and a half times more things than right. So I, I I had to look up the 10 largest American contracts after that. They're all baseball. Now, is that like based to- up Hold on. Now, is that based off of the amount of money actually given, or is that based yeah. off of like average value per year? Because I would argue that the new NBA contracts got to get. Yeah, no, it's, it's just pure money. Get like eight is Prince Fielder made two hundred and twenty-five over nine years. These yeah, can't so- be right. This must just be MLB because there's NBA guys that get like Lamelo Ball just got like two fifty. Yeah. Imagine being 21 and have getting 250 million. Obviously, you don't get it all right away. But listen, we went into the wrong profession. We should have we should have been better athletes growing up. Yeah, I unfortunately never had a shot at that league with my I don't think I did either. <laughs> we so we've hit we've officially hit rambling stage saying who's made it this far. Uh, do we do we wrap it up? Yeah, I think we wrap it up for those that are actually made it to rambling stage. We appreciate it. It's it's cherished time in this podcast. Oh, absolutely. We need we the wait. NFL to pick up some steam again. Yeah. Like, we need, we need – give us some kind of news. Like, give us a – Tell us, us who's going to be on Hard Knocks. I thought they already gave it to uh, – I thought that was already announced. They gave it to somebody who didn't want it. Well, I, I'm pretty sure they were forcing someone. I thought it was yeah. the Jets. I think it is the Jets. Did they officially give it to them? I think so. Oh, they haven't. All right, then. Yeah, tell us who's going to be on Hard Knocks. Come on, man. Not that I watched Hard Knocks last year, even when the Lions were featured, but. I was going to say, cause I love Hard Knocks. I, I, uh, it gets you into some random player that's going to do nothing in their life, in their NFL career, not their life. That's a little dramatic. <laughs> uh, but the, I heard they approached the Lions to do it again because they, they can't get anyone else to do it. No, nah, it's got to be the Jets. We need to see Aaron Rodgers in the flesh. Aaron Rodgers with like Sala is going to be an interesting dynamic, along with like all those young like Sauce and the young receivers and Brees and like 
a lot, so many young players around him. Also, not a great offensive line. How's that going to work? No, they're going to have to figure. I mean, they're going to have to hope Makai Becton doesn't die again. But that that hasn't really worked out too well in Makai Becton's career so far. So, all right, there was a little extra rambling for you. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you listening. Please tune in, obviously, to this episode. Well, you've tuned in if you're listening to this. So thanks. Uh, how about tuning in again next week? Vladdy, close us out. Go green. <laughs>